0: Michigan, welcome to another edition of the State Champs Michigan Extra Point podcast presented by Lawrence Technological University. LTU offers over two dozen varsity NAIA collegiate sports at Lawrence Tech, including football, athletic, and academic scholarships available. Recruit yourself at LTUathletics.com. Extra point also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. The MHSAA is looking for motivated individuals to become officials. Help wanted, just whistle. Visit MHSAA.com for details. Hey, do you want free food? Well, Hungry Howie's and State Champs have a great offer for you. Order your next meal at HungryHowie's.com. Use the special code CHAMPS, and you will get one free order of Howie's Bread. And finally, the physical therapy and sports medicine pros with the Detroit Medical Center. Check out our Game Changers segments on the network, the entire playlist on our State Champs TV YouTube page. And if you are in pain or injured for immediate care, go to dmc.org slash Game Changers. All right, this is the companion podcast to our State Champs Michigan Extra Point talk show. Scott Bernstein is here, and we do did a dive into the state semifinals matchups in Division 1 through 5. So you can watch it on your preferred platform, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram StateChampsNetwork.com or on our free streaming app. My name is Lorne Plant and here on the podcast we welcome in the MHSAA's Jeff Kimmerly, who's going to talk D6 through D8 and the 8-player state finals in D1 and D2 that will take place up north. First off, Jeff, thanks for joining us. I can't believe we're in the final two weeks of the season already
1: yeah no kidding we've looked so far forward to this uh for the last well actually since we finished our finals up at Ford Field last January uh, just looking at something of a quote-unquote normal season and uh, all of a sudden it's almost come and gone completely and things really do speed up from here so uh we've had a great run we're excited for these next two weekends and, and I know you guys are too
0: Absolutely, You know, we're excited to talk uh, some smaller school football here uh, that, you know, sometimes doesn't get uh, its play, but uh, we want to definitely give them some shout-outs. So let's get into the matchups. We'll start uh, with Division 6. Now, in Division 6, 10-2 Standish Sterling in the semis. First time since 2008, and they'll be taking on 11-1 Lansing Catholic, third straight Final Four. On the other side, 11-1 Michigan Center in completely uncharted waters, first semis appearance. 10-2 and two. Warren Michigan Collegiate is the most successful charter school program to date, uh, but their first Final Four in five years. So what are your thoughts on those two matchups?
1: Yeah, well, I'll start with Standish. Uh, something about that uh, corridor going up through uh, the side of Lake Huron. Uh, <laughs> we've had two teams that won one game last season and made the semifinals. <sighs> Ray Sims and 8-player was the other one last week. Uh, defense is the name of the game for Standish just to get here is pretty incredible um and i'm sure they're not wanting to end here but uh lansing Catholic's going to be a tall task uh they won division five two years ago alex waters was a star on that team uh as just a sophomore uh he's their leading receiver now he's gone over a thousand yards uh joey baker is the latest lansing catholic quarterback uh, even though Jim Ahern retur- retired as coach uh the quarterback tradition there is going on uh he's thrown for over 2500 yards uh 27 scores Uh, and obviously they've got their sights set on on continuing on uh, to Detroit next week. On the other side, Michigan Center is really interesting to me. Uh, Only loss was by a point to Addison, uh, Hmm. I think week four, week five. Uh, They have a very good quarterback named Caden Holland, one of those two-way threats. Uh, He's run for more than 1,300 yards. He's averaging 10 to carry. Uh, He's thrown for seven touchdowns on top of that. Uh, Michigan Center, I think, from a very strong southeastern corner uh, of the state, especially for small school uh, football, probably was overlooked a little bit just because they weren't in their league title mix there uh, after that loss to Addison. But it is certainly uh, showing what they can do here uh, this month. And again, Michigan Collegiate uh, only losses uh, Country Day and Milan and, and, of course, Chandler Park, although that ended up being a forfeit win. Uh, they locked down e last week. Uh, and and they're they're always in this mix, but we have not talked about them a lot this season. Uh, right. Certainly, winning this game and getting to Ford Field would be a massive deal for that program.
2: They have uh, one of uh, maybe the, the the lone Division One recruit right now in the small school ranks in Teal Redding, uh, Warren Michigan Collegiate does at wide receiver. His brother. Played for Warren Michigan Collegiate. I believe he's in the NFL right now. Um, wow. So, you know, that's a name to, to watch out for uh, these next couple of weeks. Dion Black, I shouted him out um, in my uh, Burning On segment as, as a quarterback to look for Michigan Collegiate. He's about 6'4", 215, uh, really, you know, looks the part and uh, took took Collegiate on a, on a run into the regionals last year. So... I, I'm, I'm high on, on Warren Mission Collegiate. That's my, uh, that's my two cents here. Absolutely. And then, obviously, Joey Baker and, and Alex Waters at, at Lansing Catholic Central. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, uh, that's a terrible twosome that that can go toe-to-toe with, with any team in, in any division.
0: Well, I think of uh, Lansing Catholic in the Tony Poljan days, you yeah. know, uh, uh, where he was running up for— Well, They for- got Bo,
2: Bo Poljan.
1: Yes, right? They do. He's the line yeah, he, for them. Uh, so he's
2: another. So he's another division. He's a division one recruit. So yeah, you got you know two there in in D six. Absolutely. So
0: yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Obviously,
1: I think Waters is going to get a look, at least at the mid major level. Okay. Uh, again, those guys have been around for three years. There's some connections over here, obviously with Michigan State and the Lansing sure. Catholic program, and uh, he, he's he's a special player. Uh, we we saw that a couple of years ago, and, and I have a feeling we may see that again next weekend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Lansing Catholic again, a real model of consistency. How far do they go last program. year? Did they go to the Final Four last year.
1: I think they were regional finalists last year. I don't okay. think they actually made the semis, but it could be. Actually,
0: okay. no. You're, this is their third third straight Final Four for Lansing Catholic. Actually, okay. So, uh, yeah. So th- this is a, this is a program that uh, has uh, continued. Uh, their success over the last decade. Warren, Michigan, Collegiate again. Uh, I think it's a matter of time before uh, they're raising uh, some state hardware. So we'll, we'll see what's happening. It's good to see uh, you know, a, a power charter school team. Let's move to Division 7. We've got two unbeaten teams. Pawama, Westphalia, taking on Traverse City, St. Francis. Pirates a 2019 state champs. St. Francis were finalists a year ago. Then we have, on the other side, 12-0 and Lawton. And, uh, you know, who'd have called this one? Uh, and they're taking on 11-1 and Jackson Lumen Christie, who seems to be there every year. Uh, but Lawton's having their best season ever. Uh, Lumen Christie trying to advance to their fifth state finals in six years. Your thoughts, Jeff? Uh,
1: I mean, what a power-packed uh, Final Four for this division. Yeah. I'll start with the teams that have been there, and, and three of them have been there a ton. Uh, PW has been to Ford Field, I think, Two of the last five seasons, three of the last six. Uh, A lot of attention has been given in the Lansing area to the fact that uh, Palm Westphalia has had a series of injuries to important players, uh, losing probably their best offensive player uh, very early. And it it hasn't really seemed to matter. Um, They have defeated six league champions. Uh, across their six non-league games, including the playoffs. Uh, They beat New Lothrop by 32 a couple weeks ago. Obviously, New Lothrop was the reigning champion in Division Seven. Uh, They beat Lansing Catholic 12-7 in the regular season finale, uh, giving up six and a half points a game. Um, And defense defense and running the ball has always been uh, kind of the claim to fame over there. Uh, for the 20 years I've been kind of covering that program. So yeah. uh, th- they're back again, but St. Francis obviously is, is going to be a challenge. Lost last year to New Lothrop by seven in the championship game. Uh, same old St. Francis, uh, putting up putting up 50 points a game. They have a quarterback, Charlie Pearson. He's thrown for 21 touchdowns. Uh, their backup quarterback, also their straight running back, Wyatt Dacides. uh He's run for 20 scores. And he's averaging 14 yards a carry. So... Uh, pretty standard stuff for St. Francis, uh, that really is a, a Clash of the Titans, so to say. Uh, that's one of the ones I'm really looking forward to in any division this weekend. Uh, on the other side, Lumen Christi, you know, last year they finished 5-5, five and five, uh, saw a 31-year winning season streak come to an end. Um, obviously, that wasn't a lasting trend by any means. Only loss this year was to Harper Creek, which uh, was a, a co-league champion in the State 8 athletic conference, which is made up of larger schools. Uh, and Lumen opened the season by doubling up to has not looked back. Lawton, though, is certainly one of the best stories uh, of yeah. our postseason so far. Never made it this far before, always in the mix, uh, always one of the better teams down there in the southwestern corner of the state, especially among the smaller schools. You, you can count on Lawton for seven, eight, nine wins every season. Uh, but this one, this one's special. Um, they didn't give up a point until the fourth game of the season. Uh, the stunner was last week over Muskegon Catholic Central, uh, but maybe it shouldn't be a stunner. They've been scoring 50-plus points a game. Uh, they have five shutouts over their last eight games, so they're doing it on both sides of the ball. Whether they can slow down Lumen Christie, um I think this is a, another level of opponent, but certainly uh, what they did to MCC last week shows that there's some potential there to do so.
0: Yeah, uh it's always fun covering Lumen Christie, you know, a team that runs up to the line and just snaps the ball. And you just got to go and stop them. That's what they've always been. Uh of course, you know, her Brooks, one of the the all-timers uh in the, in this state. There's no question about it. Uh, uh Jeff,
2: uh has got a pretty uh formidable running attack. Yes. Am I,
1: and and I, that's, that's what they do. It's very similar to what Lumen Christie does. They kind of come up and just load their backfield and uh, that probably, I'm sure, helps their defense out quite a bit, too, is, is they're, they're just grinding. Um, and, and that's going to probably be important, keep Lumen off the field as much as possible.
2: I, I think uh, J- uh, Jake Ruff is their... Uh... Yeah,
1: yes. they. He was called by one media entity, perhaps the best running back in the state uh, this week.
2: And I think he wow. has... Uh, I think he's, his touchdowns are into the 40s which is oh, wow. leading leading the nation. He has 48 total. 48 touchdowns right now. Wow. 46 touchdowns? Hold on, let me make sure that this is. Jeez. Um I've been
0: kind of off off our map.
2: Yeah, I don't want to
0: I, I know that the
2: they that the, the, they're running the ball like gangbusters right now.
0: Well, that's cool. I mean, you know. And that's always been uh, what they do. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, again, I think of St. Francis and, and the Bulla brothers and, you know, all the uh, the success that has come out of that program. Uh, and and really, that game against Paywamal is going to be something else. Uh, either way, I think we're going to get a great state finals, whoever comes out of uh, Division 7. Um, and while you're looking that up, uh, in Division 8, we'll move over there. Ubley is unbeaten this season, and they're going to match up with 11-1 and Beale City. Uh, Bearcats going for a second straight finals appearance. They have scored over 500 points this season. Aggies trying to get back to Ford Field for the second time in three years. Then you've got 11-1 Ottawa Lake Whiteford, over 600 points this season, if you could believe that. Uh, They were the 2017 state champs. They faced 12-0 Hudson, who just had an 8-0 win. Uh, We had a baseball score. Uh, It's six shutouts, though, on the season for Hudson. So taking on a powerhouse like Whiteford with all those points, and they're a great defensive program. Something's got to give, Jeff. Well,
1: and, and Hudson, you know there is so much offense uh, with with these four teams. But my favorite thing to follow, uh, at least the last couple of weeks, has been this Hudson defense. Yeah, they've given up seventy points total this season. Uh, the last time they gave up more than eight was in Week Five. Uh, they they hey they have a great offense too. They they are very um, very predictable. Uh, they've run for thirty six hundred yards, uh, but. That, I'm sure, similar to Lawton in Division 7, helps their defense out quite a bit. They are not letting other teams be on the field, uh, and when they do, they're not letting them score, and I've kind of been on something of a Hudson watch, uh, because again, that is a very good area uh, down there for small school football, especially yeah. Division 6, VI, 7, VII, and 8. So, to see, to see Hudson have that kind of success is incredible. All that said, Whiteford's been here. Uh, Cole, I think it's Jasegi. Um, third-year running back, 1,000-yard rusher, you you know your typical Whiteford uh, standout back there in the backfield. All their wins have been by double digits. Their only loss was to a team from Eden, Ohio. Uh, They're putting up 50 points a game, and and that's going to be quite a clash. Um, That that one's a fun one for people who pay attention to the small school football. Uh, On the other side, Ubley was the runner-up last year. Uh, they haven't had a single-digit game yet this year. Uh, they have a, another one, of a great two-way threat quarterback, uh, Evan Peruski. Uh, he's a 1,000-yard guy, 11, 11 yards per carry. Uh, and, and they've come out of a league that was, uh, well, an area that was pretty tough, I'll say that. The other side of that league had a couple of champions, but uh, Ubley always loads up pretty well. Uh, Beale City is a team we're used to talking to at this level uh, quite a bit. Only loss this season was opening night by a point to Ravenna, yeah. which I believe yeah. is in Division Six this year. Uh, haven't really been challenged during the playoffs. Only close game they really had was Sand Creek, which is in Whiteford's league. Uh, a game they picked up, I think, the day or two days before after both teams lost their uh, lost their opponents for that week. So uh, I don't think you can really hold that against them either. Uh, these these are some power programs uh, down here at the bottom and. You know, they're going to lead us off next Friday, whoever comes out on top this weekend, and and that'll be exciting and fun to watch.
0: Yeah, Reading was uh, a team of destiny a few years ago when they took on Beale City in the state championship. Uh, you know, they just seemed like they had all the momentum. So I know that Beale City wants to get back uh, to the state finals, and uh, we'll see if they can uh, take care of an unbeaten ugly team. I love Whiteford. Uh, you know, when they started their run a few years back, uh, I mean, this is a, a city that or a school that is literally on the Ohio on the border. border. I mean, yeah. they're right there. You got stone's throw um but right. really a great program and they have a cool kind of like forest that you walk through to get to the stadium that's got like their all the kids pictures uh, you know along the trees uh it's a, it's a great setup and
2: Bernie uh, played his last MHSAA okay. game at Ottawa Lake Whiteford really in, in June really? of 1996 the baseball regionals
0: wow <laughs> nope. are they, are they, <laughs> there you go. So there's some trivia for you. But uh, yeah, like you said, Hudson, it's been so stingy on D. It's great when you've got, uh, you know, t- two teams going at it that uh, love to put up points, but uh, they could be at a premium here in the state semifinals. Let's get into the eight player division. Uh, state, the eight-player state finals uh, will start in Division One, And these are always fun. You can talk about shootouts. That's what these always are. And it's always great, you know, when you get to f- around the finals, uh, you know, you've got teams that have been on a collision course because they've just been – demolishing teams it seems like all season long Uh, we've got two undefeateds here in the state championship adrian lenaway christian and sutton's bay the lenaway christian cougars defending state champs they beat sutton's bay 47 to nothing in last year's championship game the norsemen though have scored over 600 points this year do you think this is going to be a better game than a year ago jeff it's a closer game i should say
1: I, I, you would like to say so, but yes, the, I, I saw the one last year too, and I think we expected that to be a little bit closer. Um, this is actually Sutton's base third straight appearance in the Division One final, wow. and they have some some guys back who uh, who are recognizable to people who uh, watch A player football. They have two thousand yard rushers. Uh, they have uh, Hugh Perryard being one of them, who was their leading rusher, I believe, a year ago also. Um, but Lenawee Christian has yet to lose a game as an eight-player team over two years. And in fact, Sutton's Bay's only loss over the last two years is to Lenaway Christian. So you talk about a collision course. Yes. This is the one. I just don't know if anything changes from last year. Uh, Lenawee Christian graduated All-State quarterback and running back uh, off last year's team and replaced them with uh, guys who have been just as good. The running back now is Clay Ayers. He was an All-State kicker last year. Uh, all he's done is just become a playmaker in a lot of other places, too. And he contributed last year also. But uh, Asher Bryja is the guy you want to watch. He's Lenaway Christian's quarterback. Uh, he has thrown for almost 2,000 yards. Uh, you, you combine his touchdowns. He's over 40 uh, that he's been part of. And, and they just they haven't really been challenged. Um, you know, maybe their, their best win overall might have been against Colon, which is going to be playing for the Division II championship. So... I, <laughs> I want to say things are going to be a little different. um, And I'd love to see a closer game. But until uh, until I see somebody really challenge Lunaway Christian, I got to kind of expect that to be the case.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's go to the eight-player Division Two state finals. Eleven and one colon meeting twelve and zero Powers North Central. Colon is a great nickname. The Magi, uh, they won the D one eight-player title in uh, twenty nineteen. Now in Division Two, Powers North Central, defending champs. They have put up six hundred and eighty-two points this season that's incredible uh, and uh, and really a program that uh, on the basketball side and the football side uh, are always right there in the mix.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you go back to maybe the greatest eight-player uh, yeah. mini dynasty that we've had in this state, even though we've yes. only had eight-player for going on a decade really, but yeah. uh, the Jason Whiten's yeah. power. I was going to say, team. a
2: lot of those guys played basketball too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they were pretty good at sports. Um, yeah. And a lot of these guys on North Central now are the same guys from last year. Uh, Gorzinski at quarterback is an absolute uh, stud. He was the the guy last year. He's the guy this year. Uh, Wyatt Rab is a big contributor as well on both sides of the ball. He was a star in last year's uh, championship game win over uh, Portland St. Patrick as well. Uh, on, on the other side of that, the Magi, uh, they have handed the only loss of the season to their three playoff opponents, uh, mm. which is pretty impressive. And when you consider the fact that Colon's only loss was to Lenaway Christian, they could very well have the argument as the second-best team in the state, regardless of division, uh, an eight-player. Uh, right. Simon Vinson is the guy that you'll want to remember there. he's He's got almost 1,200 yards rushing. Uh, he is getting close to 2,500 yards passing. He certainly isn't all they've got, uh, but he's very good. And, and he, uh, he versus Gorzinski is going to be an absolute uh, matchup worth watching, especially if you're in in for a three-hour game, which is what these eight-player eight-player eight championship games often look like. Right. Uh, just have to sit back and, and watch those guys go go to town.
0: Yeah, and. You know, I'm glad that eight player exists. It gives a lot of these schools an opportunity to play the game. Uh, it's a fun game to watch, and uh, when you're dealing with, you know, we we're talking about uh, in our other show, talking about numbers and Rochester Adams only fielding like 30 yeah. guys out there, and here they are in the state semis uh, for eight player. Yeah, and-
2: Adams in Division One is playing <laughs> Ironman football, like it's Division Seven.
1: Yeah. Right, right. And they, they most they of their guys go both ways. Like exactly, exactly. Um, you know, you see that you either have a big school that has enough people to do something like that, or you have these eight player teams where they just have those few skilled players and have to rely on something like that. It's kind of crazy have, to
2: see, a- You know, my coverage district, yeah. it seems like that community has been hit harder by the uh, worries about, uh, you know, CTE yeah. and all that stuff from parents than any other area. Because, you know, when I, I want to say when I started, they had fit, they had 50, 50, 60 guys on their varsity. And yeah. then in the last six, seven years, they're under 45 every year.
0: Well, the one consistency is Tony Petrito. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. he gives right. a pregame speech like oh, he's nobody's great. Great. business. He's he inspires those kids. And it seems like there's always a Petrito in the lineup as well. <laughs> there's lots of, he's lots got, of Petritos. He's got, big one, family. he's
2: got one starting at uh, Grand Valley right now. Yeah, That's safety, I think.
1: Yeah. I think a season like this, hopefully – turns that tide a little bit but it's an interesting conversation is it's i was asked on on something like that by a kalamazoo area station who covers colon uh because their numbers have gotten so high uh yeah. over the last few years and, and yeah it is interesting to compare the fact that there are some division one two even three teams that would love to have numbers uh like that but hopefully uh hopefully a run like this for adams helps uh yeah, adams is helps. a big
2: school
0: yeah.
1: yeah yeah adams is a big school um you know we we've tried to tell people for years and we're going to keep telling people uh, football is, is as safe as it's ever been and right you know hopefully that narrative continues to take hold and, and hopefully programs like that can
2: continue what i try back. not that i'm i'm a doctor or anything but what i what i've tried to tell people that have asked my opinion on it is and i'm not trying to dismiss the the um, injury the, factor yeah, the science for for kids that are 16 yeah. 15 16 17 but what I've said is like listen I'm not saying that your 15 year old or 16 year old kid can't be hurt and and that but I'm saying the odds that a kid in high school at that just plays high school football that are, are gonna have long-lasting life uh, life spanning issues is so slim I, what I tell them is when wh- if I was a parent, where I would start getting worried, is if my kid is playing big time college football, and then looking for a, a career in the pros. Then yes, there's a lot of money coming your way and a lot of glitz and glamour and a lot of bells and whistles. But that's when you when I think you should start thinking about your son's long term health issues. I don't think it's playing. Uh, nine games a year of high school football
0: right and and Jeff I know we're on a tangent here but you know uh, to your point, yeah, yeah. To your point, also, uh, and we had this conversation uh, with Coach Alexander from Grand Blank. He limits his contact yeah, practices contact, yeah. to to almost nil. And he doesn't he doesn't do he uh, said, contact practices. Yeah, I mean, at all. So we found these coaches are finding new ways to get done what they need to get done. Prepare these kids. Make sure they know how to tackle and and those uh, you know things. And and here's a, a program that is is as good as it's ever. Thriving, been. Yeah. Uh, so. And, and, Safety is a big concern for everyone involved.
1: Well, and we've seen one of the things we always talk about, again, which you brought up, is how much contact has been limited, Uh, especially at the practice uh, level, probably about the last five years. For a while, it was down to certain days you could have contact. Now it's down to a number of minutes per week. Uh, It really is broken down. Uh, to keep kids as safe as possible. Uh, You have the trend where you're seeing more and more flag football with kids at younger ages, as opposed to having them out there in full pads when they're nine years old or 10 years old. Uh, I think people are pointing to that, not only in terms of injury uh, prevention, but also making the sport more popular for more kids, uh, because not everybody is all of a sudden a lineman when they're uh, in third grade, things like that. And and (laughs) the equipment, the rules, so many things have changed uh, to make this a, a sport that can be very, very safe. And I, I agree with Scott. Uh, the research bears out that uh, our high school, uh, our high school football players are not the ones that are necessarily seeing the effects of this down the road. Uh, but it's those those heavier impacts against more talented athletes as they continue on in their careers uh, that are having an effect. And so we're just trying to make sure people realize high school football is, is definitely a safe alternative. And I, I just try to
2: tell people don't, don't deprive, don't deprive your son or your nephew or your grandson an opportunity because it, it, it's, it's really like you can't manufacture it. No, the, the experience, those four years of high school football it, it, and, and it's stuff it's that you'll what take, I remember the most, it's stuff that you'll take, experience. take with you for decades and decades and decades. Yeah. And I don't think there's enough of a, risk factor to, to really, you know, put your, you know, put a line in the sand. Yeah. And I think there are definitely, you know, built in safety factors that we need to be evolving with. Like we're saying, uh, you know, practices with, with uh, non-hitting mm-hmm. practices and, you know, adjusting some of the rules, dealing with the uh, equipment. I know that the helmets are, are better than they've ever been. So.
0: Yeah, it's always changing, always uh, improving uh, the technology for sure. Uh, I got two more questions for you. We're, we're being joined today by the MHSAA's Jeff kimmler One is just regarding a player. Um, because again, I know we're talking about football and trying to give opportunities to kids, you know, down south. Um, that you know, it seems like you know, for those, those programs that maybe want to have eight player, there just aren't enough teams uh, that they can compete against. Do you think we'll see, uh, at some point, maybe a surge, you know, where we can have a league that's more uh, based in kind of southern Michigan so they have an opportunity to play?
1: I think, I think that shift is already starting to, to happen a little bit. Uh, for a long time, eight player was based really in the thumb and in the up. Uh, in su- and then in southwestern uh, right. Michigan. But you're seeing the small schools in, in the southeastern part of the state, uh, not the ones we talked about when we were talking about the 11-player playoffs because those, right. those are our smallest schools in 11-player, but they're not our truly small schools. Right. Uh, the small schools like a Pittsburgh, people like that, have right. run out of teams to play their size. Uh, for a while, there was a league that was Lunaway Christian, Pittsburgh, uh, Athens, I can't remember, uh, Climax Scots. So they're right. literally crisscrossing ninety four, trying to play each other. I think you'll see a little bit more uh, of an opportunity in the southeastern part of the state because those teams, the smallest ones, have run out of people to play, and now they're just going to have to play eight player uh, and move over. Um, you know, but at the same time, I'm wondering how much more room we have for eight player teams. Uh, our limit to be in the playoffs is 215 students uh, for high school enrollment, and and we certainly have some schools that have moved over regardless of that. Uh, and and they aren't in the playoffs, but at least they're having an opportunity to play football. Uh, But really, we have gotten a lot of our formerly Division 8 11-player schools are now uh, overplaying 8-player. And so I I do wonder, uh, I know Pittsburgh is making the move to 8-player next year. Uh, I do wonder how much more uh, movement we're going to have. I think we're going to be close to 90 teams now. Uh, I don't know how if we can get much past 100. I think half the UP is literally playing is playing eight player football right now. And yeah, enrollments are down across the state and schools are smaller and rural schools are smaller and that's contributing to it too. But, uh, I do wonder, I do wonder how many more years we'll have, uh, kind of that mass move. We had, we've had them, uh, the last few.
0: All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, before we let you go, uh, obviously it's uh, state finals week next week, and uh, everyone's back at Ford Field. What will the fan experience be at Ford Field this year? Things relatively back to the way things will. They will. They okay.
1: will. Uh, I think people feel like it's just about as normal as it could be without anyone mistaking that COVID-19 is gone. Right. Uh, there are no fan restrictions this year, uh, and there are no masking restrictions. Uh, except for people who work at Ford Field. Uh, Our staff will be in masks, uh, and I think some of the TV production people will be as well. But as far as spectators go, uh, there's no masking restrictions. There's no limits to the number of spectators that can be there. Uh, We'll have all the the same fun stuff that we do during the commercial breaks and everything else, and we'll have all our press conferences like we always had before for our media and all of our trophy presentations like we always had uh, at midfield bands and cheerleaders and everybody else so uh it'll be it'll be as close as it can be to normal without being 100 there and here's hoping for 2022
0: absolutely uh jeff camera thank you for coming on the show today we appreciate your insight and uh thanks again it was fun we'll see you at ford field
1: yeah we'll see both you guys next week hopefully
0: all right sounds good all right well that's it for our show ladies and gentlemen for scott bernstein i'm lauren plant thank you so much for listening